Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Amen. I can't tell you enough how much that it means to me, and of course my wife, to know that you are praying for me. Uh, and uh, not only does your pastor regularly check on me, but many of you through a variety of ways, I know that you are concerned and been praying for me. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Uh, had a young man in the office this morning praying for me. Won't you stand, young man? He just said he wanted to come pray for me. I got a lot of stock in his prayers. I just put a lot of stock in his prayers. How about that? Amen. But uh, I appreciate that, and, and it means so much. I love Pastor uh, and Sister Sherlon Davis and Bishop and Elder and Sister Davis. I think we ought to show our love and give them a round of applause. Amen. I love you. Amen. Praise God. It's so good to be here. Not only is this the first service of the new year, it is the first service of a new decade. Amen. So, amen. We won't have a new decade for 10 years. So I'm honored that you would ask me to preach the first service of a new decade, 2020. Praise God, that means a lot. For, for over three decades, my dad carpooled from Panama City, Florida, to Port St. Joe, Florida, with several men in a van for 35 miles um, one way to work at St. Joe Paper Company. One cold morning, my dad got up to shower, and we just had a little single bathroom, a little medicine cabinet in it, and after shower, he learned he was out of deodorant. So he just reached up in the medicine cabinet and found some of mom's, now this is back in the 60s, I guess, or 70s, so I, probably most folks here never heard of this, but he found some of mom's uh, Avon Honeysuckle Sachet. And he opened the lid and dabbed a couple fingers full, put under each arm, got dressed, and went to work. While going down the road, the driver of the vehicle started sniffling. He said, guys, I know y'all going to think I'm strange, but it is the middle of December, and I'm smelling honeysuckle. <laughs> My dad said, so am I. <laughs> now, the Scripture teaches us to be in season and out of season. However, we are handicapped because I cannot go out in my backyard in December and plant a row of tomatoes or tomato plants. And in January, unless I have a greenhouse, I can't go out in December and plant a garden and reap it. Because I, I am, uh, have to stay in the parameters of four seasons. Amen. However, God is not. The, and I'm going to preach in just a moment, but I felt like saying this the first service of the decade. And the first service of this year. You and I are bound by seasons, but God is not. Amen. Amen. In the Holy Ghost, we can smell honeysuckles in December. What are you saying, Brother Tipton? It doesn't matter what month, what season, what service. People can get healed. People can get the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God don't wait until harvest time in October to let somebody get the Holy Ghost. Somebody can get the Holy Ghost in the middle of January or the first service of the decade. It's always a season 
to get somebody prayed through. And let's, let's see if that don't happen sometime today or tonight. Amen. God bless you if you'll stand. We'll go to the word of the Lord. Amen. It's awesome to be here, for my wife to be able to join me. Amen. So I was back here in uh, June, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so we, it's twice, in season and out of season. Amen. Praise God. So I love all of you. Let's go to the book of Esther, the second chapter. And I would like to read verse 21 and verse 22, Esther. I love the book of Esther. In those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Big Than and Teresh, of those which kept the door were wroth and sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther, the queen. And Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. Now, before you're seated, and we'll pray, but I, I want to take you to the message, which is not a translation. The message, I have a message Bible. It's, it's simply a paraphrase. It's, it's not anointed. <laughs> it's not the word of God. It's just a paraphrase. So I want to share with you the message or the paraphrase of what it says in the same verse. It said in the message on this day, when Mordecai, sitting at the king's gate, Big Than and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the entrance, had it in for the king and were making plans to kill King Xerxes. But Mordecai learned of the plot and told Queen Esther, who then told King Ahasuerus, giving credit to Mordecai. When the thing was investigated and confirmed as true, the two men were hanged on the gallows. This was all written down in a logbook kept for the king's use. Now, I could take a subject right there and preach about the king's logbook. Amen. But I'm not. Now, to introduce the title of my sermon, you've probably heard the story about the children who lined up in the cafeteria of a Christian school for lunch. And at the head of the table was a large pile of apples. Someone had written a note and placed it next to the apples. It read, take only one. God is watching. Moving through the line to the other end of the table was a large pile of chocolate chip cookies. One little boy wrote his own note and stuck it next to the cookies. Take all you want. God is watching the apples. Now, God knows where the apples are, and God knows where the cookies are. So for the next few minutes, minutes I'm going to preach on this subject, God knows. Come on, let's praise him before we're seated. God bless you. You may be seated. As you are, say, God knows. God knows where the apples are. God knows where the cookies are. 
The book of Esther is a library of providence. Providence. Everybody say providence. I've added that as the third new word to my large vocabulary. I, up until a few days ago, I had just two big words. That was mayonnaise and aluminum. Num, num. But I've added another word, providence. Providence is a big word. It's captured best by the spiritual song that we don't hear very often. But I'd like to sing it in Nakapulu if you don't mind. Everybody say providence. This spiritual song captures the meaning of providence. He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 That's the Caucasian version. Here's the spiritual. He got the whole world. In his hands, he's got, somebody ought to shout, he's got the whole world in his hands. And I want you to understand, he has your world in his hands. The dictionary defines providence as exercising foresight, divine guidance, or care intervention. Now, as I proceed through this message, I want you to keep in mind, as I share the Word of God with you today, God knows. God knows. When Joseph stood at the head of Egyptian affairs as prime minister and his brethren had acknowledged their wrongdoing, Joseph said, watch this, he said to them that the Lord had sent him thither. Basically, here in Alabama, he would say to them, looking in hindsight of everything he endured, he said to his brethren, it was God that brought me here. Now, look at the lesser events that were involved. The brothers were sheep herders. Jacob wanted to reach them. Why did he send Joseph? There were plenty of servants. The brothers had left Shechem and gone to Dothan. Why did Joseph follow them? He arrived just as they were discussing him and his dreams. At that very precise moment. Angered his brothers. And they put him in a pit. And went over there under a shade tree and had lunch. While they're having lunch, some Ishmaelites pass by. Why did they come? Why did they come at this time? Why were they headed to Egypt? What use could they have for a slave? Why did Potiphar purchase Joseph? Why had Potiphar married a seductive woman? Why was Joseph thrown into prison? Why were Pharaoh's butler and baker in prison? Why did Pharaoh dream? Now you're probably getting tired of me saying why. But have you noticed just in one paragraph here in my notes how many times I have said why? In just a 160 seconds here, I have just listed in one story in the Bible a dozen whys. 
The cynic can say, oh, just mere happenstance. I say this under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, that every incident was necessary to the result which Joseph said was of God. Everything in this world is prearranged and superintended by providence or else all is given over to chance and we might as well put our Bible up, go, dismiss and go home and say, I just believe in Murphy's Law or happenstance. You can't have it both ways. God is in charge or he's not. God is in sovereign or he's not. God knows or he does not. I'm here to preach to you this morning. Nothing catches God by surprise. Nothing catches God off guard. He knows. He knows. Woo, I got doodads on me almost big enough to hang a hat on. It just gives me peace and comfort to know he knows. My doctor don't know everything. My lawyer don't know everything. I don't know everything. You don't know everything. But God knows. And I'm here to tell you, God is just as much God of the little things as he is God of the big things. And that is why Jesus said in Matthew 10 and 30, but the very hairs of your head. Now I'm looking around here, not really putting any attention to any particular people, but God is not straining with a few of you about counting the hairs on your head. But I want you to look at the scripture. What did he say? The what? The what? Very. Not just the hair. The very hairs of your head are counted? No. Numbered. That means while I'm combing my hair, if hair number 11,319 comes out in the comb, God knows about it. So what I'm trying to preach to you today, I don't know that about me, but God knows that about me. And if God knows that about me, he knows more about me than I know about myself. So I need to trust the one that knows. The very hairs of your head are numbered. Woo. You, you can't break the chain of events and have the end result. It means that if you dissect and this is somewhat uncomfortable. But we're either going to have to stand on God's word and knowing that he is sovereign and in control or chaos is at rule. It means that if you dissect any bit of history at any time, I read to you the story of Esther, you will find the providence of God in the minute details just as well as the completed whole. What does that say to you and I right now? God has a hold of my life. God has a hold of your life. Not only does he have the whole world in his hands, he's got me in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister. In his hands that ought to give you peace when everything seems to be coming against you and the enemy comes in like a flood. You can say, wait a minute. The power of God is going to lift up a standard against it because God knows nothing catches him by surprise. <laughs> a lot of people got a lot of talk, but he has the last say so. He's got the final word.
I love presidential history. Share this little piece of information with you. Theodore Roosevelt did his utmost to avoid the vice presidency. He wished to return to the governor's chair of New York. He believed it to be a better power base politically than the obscurity of the vice president's office. Uh, more so then than now, but in those days you would put the vice president somewhere because of his obscurity. Is, is somebody you just didn't want to be a threat and you just stick them in a the corner. And uh, that's kind of how you got rid of them. So they nominated him against his desire and against his wishes at the Republican National Convention as the vice president and McKinley and Hannah and Mr. Platt, who was a power broker in the state of New York, forced him. They wished to bury him comfortably. Instead, what they didn't realize that after he became vice president, four months later after the assassination of McKinley, what they tried to prevent and circumvent, they catapulted him in right into the White House. So let me help somebody here today. There are people in all of our lives that try to seek our demise and try to hinder our progress and try to step on us when we try to do better. But I'm here to tell you, if you're sold out to God, there's nothing nobody can do that can keep you from doing and being what God wants you to be. Well, they hindered me or they talked about me or they stabbed me in the back. Who knows but what that very backstabbing my God might use to put you in the place where he wanted you to start off with. Mm. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. So instead, they, the very thing they tried to keep from happening happened because they vaulted him. Right in the White House when McKinley was assassinated. See, there's something else to observe about providence. Providence is punctual. God keeps time with himself. Now, I, I, Pastor Dave is always telling me to make myself at home, and I don't have to stress out about that. I'm so relaxed when I come here because I don't have to put on any airs. So I'm just going to do Punctual. Providence is punctual. So let me just put another song out here that will best describe what I mean by providence is punctual. Mm, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He's an on-time God. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. To say it like you believe it. He's an on-time God. He's an on-time God. Woo! He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. You know what I wish you'd do right now and stand up and say, thank you, Lord. You've never been too late. You've never been too early. I can look back over my life and see where you brought me from. You was always right on time. You was always there right on time. Somebody ought to release your faith right now. Don't you give up. Don't you be weary and well-doing. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. 
Shout it to the top of your youngs. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And you may be seated. Read the story. Read the story of Philip, the evangelist, having a red-hot revival. No cell phone. Wow. Somebody told me the other day, he said, the most effective form of punishment I give my children is taking their devices away from them. They go crazy. I told my grandkids when I was a child growing up in church, we talked in tongues, and all y'all do is talk in thumbs. <laughs> Philip didn't have a cell phone, no email, no communication network whatsoever, but not one effort or communication of today's modern times could work out split-second time and better than God. Because watch what the Scripture says in the 8th chapter of the book of Acts. The Bible said that the angel said to the Lord, or the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, Arise and go. That right there will preach. But he gave him specific instructions. I want you to head south. And I want you to go down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. How many times has God let you leave a situation, be it in your walk with God or physically or spiritually, that God, you was in a situation that you thought was conducive to your growth and you were happy as a butterfly, my friend, going across the meadows and God directed you to get up and leave. And I'm not talking about necessarily physically, but you understand, and, and put you in the desert. Wait a minute, God. I'm having a red-hot revival, Philip could have said. Philip could have said, wait a minute, this don't make sense. We're praying people through and things are happening. But the angel said, I want you to rise and go. And I want you to head south and I want you to go to the desert. The same time while that's going on, the Bible tells us in the 27th verse that he arose and went. Thank God he obeyed. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But when that one man obeyed, it brought revival to an entire continent through one man. Because the Bible said there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure and had come to worship. And what was he doing? He was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading from the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And my friend, the evangelist said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, no, how do it unless somebody tells me? And you know what happened? My friend, he baptized him. And that was what opened up the revival to the African continent. I'm here to tell you, you may not understand when God says arise and go and go to the desert. But there may be a revival waiting for you there. If God, God knows what he's doing even when I can't see. 2020 is hindsight for us, but it is not for God. He can see tomorrow. He can see 10 years from now. And he puts you in a strategic location and a place on your job and in your family to use you like you've never been used before. I've come to reiterate and iterate and reiterate. God knows. God knows. It's just amazing how with no form of communication, one man starts heading south Another gang start coming over here and they meet up in the middle of the desert. What's the likelihood 
I've been to the Sahara. What's the likelihood of just walking up on somebody in the middle of the desert? <laughs> Reading Isaiah. Absolutely. From Ethiopia. My Lord, don't even, wasn't even a Jew. Woo, God knows. God knows. See, see, only God could have arranged the schedule. And the result is history. Robert Bruce, you little study a little English history, but Robert Bruce had been defeated six times in his wars with England. And upon the sixth defeat, he had disappeared and hidden himself in a barn. While he's in the corner, hiding in a barn, Defeated six times, above him a spider was trying to throw herself from one beam to another. And he observed her and six times failed. Then she tried the seventh time and succeeded. And Bruce said to himself, I will try once more. And the result was a triumphant victory. Now, the unbeliever will call it faith. Fate is blind. Providence has eyes. Providence is Romans 8.28. This is what providence is. We know that all things work together. Now, not all things are good. <laughs> Some reports are bad. <laughs> but we know that all things Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. I feel the anointing to say this to somebody here right now. You come here today and you've probably had some unlucky events and you feel like uh, that you were born under an unlucky star and your horoscope that you shouldn't be reading is telling you that you were born under an unlucky star. You are not. You can live and travel under the bright and morning star. He's a lily of the valley. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's the sweet rose of Sharon. I don't care where you are in your life. My friend, whether it's in the valley or on the mountaintop or somewhere in between, while you're struggling up the rough side of the mountain and you don't know that the prayer of the answer, that the prayer that you've been praying has not been answered, while you're praying and going up one side of the mountain, God's got your answer coming up on the other side of the mountain. And that realm, for some unknown reason, has an urge to go up and meet my God. You don't know, but he does. So Abraham just said, the boy and I, we're going to worship. We got wood, we got a knife, we got rope. We don't understand this. I don't know what's going on, but on the other side of the mountain, I told somebody the other day, said, how you doing, Brother Tipton? I said, well, I'm climbing up on the rough side of the mountain. And they said, you better thank God it's rough side because it's slick. You can't get no traction. So that kind of helped me with a different perspective. I, I, at least I got something. If it's rough, I got something that will bring me a little traction. 
But while I'm trying to get up that rough side of the mountain, God's provided an answer that unseen to me that he knows. Somebody ought to shout, he knows. And you can live under the bright and morning star. Now watch how God orchestrates. You still with me? Even the thoughts of men are under the sovereignty of God. It was the announced intention of God that Jesus be born in Bethlehem of Judea at an appointed time. Houston, we got a problem. Mary lives in Nazareth in the north. And the time of her arrival is ready. It's time. And all of a sudden, Caesar took a whim. Watch this. To tax the world. And here's what he determined. He determined that each should enroll in the city of his family's descent. Now, I don't understand why politicians make things so complicated. I used to know a few political jokes, but some got elected. <laughs> Watch this, though. Why do they have to make things so complicated? Why not just pay your taxes where you're currently living and let Pony Express take it to the city that you was born in? You know what I'm saying? I mean, why, why, why we got to load up? If that's the case, I'm, I'm here in Grand Bay, Alabama. And if we were under a king, and all of a sudden he says by Tuesday, I had to go and pay taxes in the city, in the county of my birth, that means my wife and I had to get up and leave and drive to Guff County, Florida. If it was 2,000 years ago, we'd be on a donkey or a camel. Amen. I'd say, honey, slow down a little bit. Don't tell me how to drive now. That's, that's where my wife and I really have trouble. When I first bought her Suburban, it had, a, it had that GPS navigating thing, and I'm going down the road, and it said turn left from 500 feet. I muted that thing 10 years ago. And I said, there ain't two women going to tell me how to drive in this vehicle. Can I just do a little break right now and tell something just come to my mind? I, when I was a child, I knew this couple. They lived in South Florida. They were very wealthy. They owned a sod farm. Every year they bought brand-new Fleetwood Brom Cadillac. They both were very large people. He was a preacher. And uh, when I say large, him and her both were very big. And so if he was driving the Cadillac, she would sit in the back seat right in the middle. And if, if, uh, if the other one was driving... They, they neither one rode in the same seat. So this big Fleetwood Brom had the footstool and everything. And so they're going down the road one day, and, and he's driving down the road, and she's saying, Norman, you're driving too fast. Norman, watch that curve. You see that stop sign? Uh, oh, and he's a big red-faced fellow anyway. So he, he finally stopped in the middle of the street. He was so mad. He got out, he put it, put it in park and got out, opened her door. He said, I am sick and tired of you telling me how to drive. You get up here and you drive. So she got up there. She started driving. They went several miles. It was quiet. And uh, 
way down the road. She said, Norma, where do I turn when I get up here? He said, stop the car, get out, and get in the back seat. It'll come to you after a while. I'm trying to help some of y'all's marriages. This is a marriage retreat here today. <laughs> Caesar, yeah, God knows. Caesar takes a whim. And he said, you got to go to the town, uh, enroll in the city. Now, what was the necessity for that? God knew how to handle the thoughts of Augustus just as he had handled the thoughts of Hazarus. So Mary was obliged to make the trip. So the Bible tells us in Luke 2, when? Being great with child, watch this, to be taxed. And so it was that while they were there, she was great with child. The days were, could you imagine here, I'm just having a little fun here. Can you imagine they're over here in Bethlehem? And she said, oh, Joseph, I am having some pain. And he said, can't you just wait till we get home? We don't have a midwife. I mean, I'd rather get home so we can pass out this. I'm sorry, is that cigar? No, not cigar. I'd rather get home where we have our comfort and our convenience and we got grandparents and we can high five and pat one another on the back and think, well, can you just wait? Nope, can't wait. You understand why? Because the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. God knows. And God knows how to create an event or circumstance that even yesterday you'd have thought there would be no way humanly possible. But God's going to make sure that his will and sovereignty is carried out. And just as it was said centuries before, he was born where he said he would be born. God knows. I got to hurry, but can you say God knows? Watch this. Behind every promise of God, is the providence of God. So I gave a basic definition of the word providence at the beginning of this message. So let me take it just a little farther. It comes from two words, providence. Pro, meaning before. And the word vid or video, meaning to see. Providence simply means to see beforehand and to provide for what is seen. Now, do you hear the word provide in the word providence? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you, God knows your need even before you ask. And the providence of God simply means that God sees every event before it occurs. And provides for that event and makes sure it fits into his plan for your life. So did you know that there are no accidents in the life of a child of God? Now that's hard to digest. But there are no accidents. 
I want to say to somebody, even this morning, it is no accident that you're stepped in this room. Providence knew you would be here. I believe that the will of God was for you to, it don't have to be me to preach. I'm just the conduit. But it was the will of God for you to hear a message that he knows. He cares. He understands. And I, I, don't, I don't believe that we are in some accident zone. No, no, no. You, you, it's not an accident that you are here. There, there are no accidents in the life of a child of God, just appointments. Now, I've been living this, so I'm not preaching anything that's just, I reached up there and grabbed out of abracadabra do. I've been living what I'm preaching. See, so those are appointments. So often, disappointments are really his appointments. Disappointments are often his appointments. Watch this. Don't, don't get discouraged now. Don't get depressed on me. I'm not. Amen. So many times, what we think is a rock of disappointment turns out to be a boulder of blessing. How many times in the Bible was it said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God has a way, and I call it his recycling program. And don't think less of me about what I'm about to tell you. I would, wouldn't do it here without permission, and, but I was pastoring Grenada, and, and so I just did it. So I was out, out along the church there where I pastored, that my son now pastors, it's a main highway. And on Saturday night, they'd come by there and throw their beer bottles in their beer cans. And so usually on Sunday mornings, I'm there 7 30 8 o'clock with a trash bag and I'm picking up beer bottles and beer cans and I had struggled with not knowing what to preach and I just didn't have any clarity and it, that's a tough spot after all week long you know you got to preach and you pray and you read and you study and you, and you get on Sunday morning and you're still thinking God I don't have any clarity and I reached down and picked up a half probably the sheriff department was behind him or something because it was half full of beer and I reached down to pick up that beer can it's when the Lord spoke to me and he took me to Boaz and the kins, kinsman redeemer and, 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 and he spoke to me of what he could do so I picked it up and as I stood there I drained the contents that was left of that beer and God gave me the message about his recycling program and I took that beer can and when I went to preach I put it right there and I said, I picked this up discarded because when the person that had it got through with it and tossed it out the window, didn't, didn't want it anymore, it was rubbish, it was trash. I come along as a minister and picked it up. I emptied its contents that was poison, my friend, and I brought it to the house of God. And if you look at this figuratively or, or realistically, who knows, but when I take this to Martyr Brothers to the recycling plant, this could come back, my friend, as a microphone stand in an apostolic church. This old aluminum beer can that somebody said I'm through with, my friend, can come back as an ornament on a Mercedes Benz. 
What are you talking about, my friend? My friend, don't you give up on anybody. God knows. And my friend, so when he comes by and he picks you up out of the ditch, my friend, and he brings you into his bosom, he can turn things around and put you into a recycling process. And what looked like was a disappointment turns out to be a blessing. Can I, can I spend just a few more moments with you? See, it's God who sees the baby before the doctor places the infant in the mother's arms. It's God who knows the end from the beginning. It's God that was in my yesterday. It is God whoo, that is in my today. And it is God that will be there in my tomorrow. Church family, we as individuals want to see through providence. We want to see through providence. It can't be done. We want to see why our affliction came. We can't trying to figure out how that particular thing that happened to me can bring good. Why do you must endure that particular annoyance? Why are you having to go through that uncertainty or that circumstance that you didn't ask for? No, no, no. These are appointments of God. Don't go to sleep. It's a dangerous thing to go to sleep while God is moving. Adam went to sleep single and woke up married, so you better stay awake. If you go to sleep, we know you got some kind of motive. <laughs> Watch this. We, we want to see why our affliction came, and, but, but there are appointments. So, you know, I can get frustrated. I have said this before. My definition of frustration is a three-headed woodpecker in a petrified forest. But you can choose frustration or you can say, wait a minute, this is an appointment of God. And there's one thing I can do. I can believe. Say, I can believe. And I can honor God by trusting him. The providence of God is an intricate thing. Joseph, Lord, the Holy Ghost is here. Hmm. I got to find one more scripture if I. I may have forgot to write it down. Everybody say just a pause break here. Just, just a break. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not nervous of you. <laughs> uh, but I can't find it, so I might just share it with you tonight. Amen. But the providence of God is an intricate thing. I want you to watch this, and I'm going to close, and the musicians get ready, because I'm going to sing a couple songs here without music in just a moment. But I want you to watch this. <clears throat> the providence of God is an intricate thing. Get this right here. <laughs> Having technical difficulties. 
Joseph brought his two sons. And the reason I'm having to do this is because I need hands free. He brought his two sons to his aged father to be blessed. And Jacob was blind. And he put forth his hands and he laid them on the head of the boys. And as he did so, he crossed his hands. And Joseph, read the Bible, said, Not so! But Jacob said, Even so. And he blessed them. He would not give his blessing in any other way. And so God sometimes blesses us with his hands crossed. And this is where I want to bring it home. God, it seems that everything is all crossed up. Please don't deal with me this way. Come on. How many ever had a, what you thought was a crossed up blessing? God knows. And so we say in our prayers, God, don't deal with me this way. And he says, even so. And we say in our prayers, and even so. He blesses us with his hands crossed. And the consolation I get from that is knowing that he did one day uncross his hands. He spread them wide and said, I love you this much. And so I, I, I closed with giving you this thought. And I contemplated whether they even say anything about it or not. But two weeks ago, my wife and I was in Germany with some immunotherapy that I can't get in the States from the rare cancer that I have, just to make y'all think I'm special.